0: of what we've created, Um, but it's definitely taken a huge amount of blood, sweat, and and definitely some tears to to get to where we are, and you definitely have those moments where you just think, why am I doing this? Like, I'm just just killing myself, and why am I doing it? But then you have those times where you just think, wow, I get to, to be in control of my own destiny.
1: Episode 41, and the watchword this week is mountain biking. This week's guest is the founder of Bike Park Wales, Martin Astley. Uh, Martin started mountain biking aged 11, and as you'll hear, his passion for it is all-consuming. His journey reflects why the podcast exists, his childhood passion, the deviation away from it due to the challenges of everyday life, but then a return to mountain biking and the planning and delivery of a huge project in the most dramatic fashion martin had an idea to build the first dedicated private mountain bike park in the uk and four years later bike park wales opened their doors seven years on from that they're still going strong despite some big setbacks from COVID. martin's story is about realizing a dream and having the determination to overcome every hurdle that comes your way in doing so Uh, i went to bike park wales earlier in the year which is where i had the idea to to do this podcast it's A really brilliant place, I'd highly recommend it whether you are an experienced mountain biker or not, but the story is relevant to any walk of life in terms of following your passion and dreaming big. This is the last episode before Christmas and I want to say a big thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast in 2020. It has been absolutely brilliant to start this podcast and it's something I've wanted to do for about six years. To realise, as with Martin, to realise an ambition that you've had for a long time is very rewarding. I've also recently received a few messages from people who are listening to the podcast episodes from the beginning, just as I have with my favorite podcast. So that's great to hear. And in these podcasts, we don't really talk about current affairs. The focus is on the person and their journey. The idea being that they're relevant to listen to whenever you listen to them. So thanks again to those who've got in touch. We've got some awesome guests in the pipeline for 2021, including a couple of well-known sports people, which is always exciting. So back to this episode, check out Bike Park Wales on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find the Watchword podcast on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts as it makes a big difference. I'm Mark Thompson. This is the Watchword podcast and the Watchword this week is mountain biking. How are things at Bike Park Wales at the moment?
0: Things are good, generally speaking. Um, As we speak, it's uh, mid-December and unfortunately we've just been closed again um, because of obviously coronavirus restrictions in Wales. The situation in Wales right now is is pretty bad Um, and Merthyr Tydfil is actually, as it stands, it has the highest coronavirus case rate in the whole of the UK, um, which is far from ideal. It's obviously a pretty worrying situation Um, and it means that yet again we've had to close our doors to the public. So this is now lost count I think it might be the fourth time that we've been closed due to coronavirus restrictions so since coronavirus um, started back in March I think we've only been open for three months um, which as you can imagine for any business is utterly devastating Um, and it actually hit us at a really bad time as well because we were right in the midst of a, a massive expansion and investment program at the business so we were kind of hit when we were um, fairly vulnerable um, because we were, we were spending significantly on the business. So um, <clears throat> it's been an incredibly tough year, but um, we're still standing. Uh, we will survive. Um, and we just have to remember that it could be worse. So, yeah, I guess that's a pretty good <laughs> brief synopsis of where we are right now.
1: What, what were you investing in? What projects were there? Was it, was it to expand physically? What, what were you building? <laughs>
0: Yeah, a variety of things really. So over the last uh, two and a half years, I've been working on a sort of new master plan scheme for the bike park um, and it includes a whole host of things. So first of all, uh, a massive expansion in the trails themselves. You know, that's what everybody comes to Bike Park Wales for. That's what we're famous for and and, uh, it's what we do really well. So uh, broadening the range uh, and diversity of trails. So we we built a green trail uh, this summer was due to launch in March uh, and we ended up not getting that open to the public until the end of July when we reopened but that's our first beginner trail on the hill so that's a really new thing for us. We've Our concept for Bike Park Wales was always that it would be for everybody not just for sort of elite or more extreme mountain bikers. We really wanted it to be you know we sort of say from serene to extreme so um, we want people to be able to come to bike park wales who have never been mountain biking before um, and we can supply everything they need to try it for the first time so they can turn out with no equipment no experience they just need to be physically fit and capable of riding a, a bike you know competently uh, and we can give them their first taste uh, of the sport which i think as you know from personal experience it's it's an amazing sport and it's I love seeing those beginners come off the hill for the first time because they're they're just buzzing you know you don't you don't get anyone who comes off the hill from their first experience of mountain biking and they're just like yeah that was okay you know they're always just blown away by the sport and how fun it is um so it's been amazing to to bring the sport to new people this summer um And that's kind of one part of our our expansion plan. Obviously we're investing in loads of new trails for for more experienced riders as well. Uh, And we've got a really exciting project we'll be doing um, in the the coming spring with Red Bull, which will be a sort of very elite level um, trail. So yeah, a bunch of development on the trail side, but then also as our business has grown over the years, we have sort of outgrown the facilities that were on the site. So everything from car parking to the size of the cafe and the bike shop and bike rental has become really popular and we we operate it from a tiny little space within our workshop. So we designed a new, um, we're calling it a visitor welcome centre. So it's where everybody will go when they first arrive at the park and they'll collect their day passes there, all bike hire will operate from there. And our beginner classes will, will sort of do a little pre-start session in a classroom that we've got in there as well. So we've got this great new building which will be finished at the end of February now. We actually had to just down tools in March because um, obviously we, everybody shut down and we had no idea what was going to happen so we just had to sort of abandon the project uh, and we only picked up tools again on that about three weeks ago. Um, So there's the new visitor welcome centre, a load of landscaping work, so we're making our patio much bigger and much nicer place to be. Loads of tree planting, uh, and hopefully some more car parking as well will all be done before the spring of 2021. So there's a lot going on and and a lot of money being spent, um, which has been nerve wracking to say the least during this time. Um, And we're very fortunate to have a very supportive bank basically. Um, because, yeah, without them, we would certainly have been in trouble, but we what 's great is that we know we know we have a fantastic business, and we know that people want to come, so it 's given us the courage to keep investing, even though we are going through this horrendous period of having no revenue whatsoever, and even for us to just stand still and do nothing it 's very expensive, you know our business, even with the furlough scheme in place it 's very expensive for us to just tread water. But we've decided to be brave. We've decided to be confident in, in what we do. And we know that um, investing in the site is, is the right thing to do. And it will make it so much more enjoyable for our riders. So we, we, we decided to crack on and do it. Hopefully it was the right decision.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's there are lots of questions that come to mind. Uh, but I guess for, for context, you, you know, you, you started this business and we're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, and how it came about because it's it's quite an achievement and quite a story um but you you were one of the founders and uh and in terms of my experience there I've been there once and it was this year and it was it genuinely is one of the best places I've I've ever been in the UK Um, so and the comparison that I would make um and I guess it's only relevant to people who've been skiing or snowboarding but it, it kind of had that feel about it for me in terms of you know you've got uh, well firstly how how big is it geographically the, the yeah
0: so the the mountain which the bike park is on is is almost two thousand acres in size so it's a huge mountain um, it's sort of it's roughly five hundred meters high um, but the bike park itself sort of inhabits I'd say probably eight or nine hundred acres of that two thousand. Um, so it's a, it's a really big area it's one of the things that when people visit the bike park they're always really surprised by how big it is um, because even if you go and visit the the cafe and, and reception area uh, but you don't go onto the mountain you don't get a feel for just how vast it, it is we've got um, I think we've got 42 trails now um, I think that that adds up to 50 something kilometres of trails on the hill all obviously completely completely um, purposefully designed for mountain biking so yeah it's, it's pretty vast and your your analogy of a ski resort is, is kind of exactly what it's been modeled on um, rowan and i so rowan sorrell who who was the co-founder of the business with myself we had both sort of been traveling around the world racing our bikes and riding our bikes and we've been to some of the best places in the world to, to ride mountain bikes And we'd seen various different models of how mountain biking could be delivered to the public, you know, good and bad. And we both just kind of subconsciously really had been sort of ticking boxes, thinking what was good, what wasn't good. And and we've applied that, um, at Bike Park Wales And, and what we did when we did it back in 2013 was, was utterly unique. Nobody had built a private mountain bike park of that scale anywhere in the world before. So it was a massive pun at the time that we did it, but we we were really confident that it was good a good business model um and uh yeah, fortunately we, we were right
1: <laughs> yeah well so it's uh, again, there's just lots to say, but i mean geographically as well it's it's only about an hour inside Wales from the sort of if you
0: enter from the south yeah so it's, and yeah. That, that was critical as well, you know when choosing the site location is obviously super important and yeah it's it's like an hour from bristol half an hour from cardiff um it's very easy to get to it's just off the dual carriageway on the a470 so uh, it's a very accessible site even from london it's about two and a half hours yeah so we we could talk about the bike park in
1: detail i'm sure we will but if um the, the purpose of the podcast is to explore interesting and different career paths and uh, how people did it, the decisions that they've made, the, the challenges, the successes, um, with a view to whoever's listening maybe taking some inspiration uh, in sure. terms in, in terms of planning their own career. And whilst you you're now running this business, which you obviously love and it is your your passion, and it's been successful and you're seven years in. Um, we, we were talking before, and obviously this hasn't this hasn't been an easy journey, and it hasn't happened quickly. So. I guess if we we go back there was there was a time in your career where you weren't you weren't even working in in mountain with with bikes or in mountain biking at all absolutely yeah yeah so
0: I guess if I I start as as far back as I I think is is relevant to the story so um at school I was a pretty pretty applied student I was um you know, quite studious and, and always worked super hard. I'm a very determined person. Uh, and I think my parents um, and my brother, to an extent, I have an older brother who's two and a half years older than me, have always kind of taught me um, the merits of working hard uh, and being determined and just kind of sticking out something. So that's kind of just a character trait that I started with uh, in the very beginning. Um, I went to university in Bristol uh, and studied zoology <laughs> um, which seems completely random considering considering what I do now but basically at school I was really interested in biology but not so much on the plant side so dropped that and uh, studied zoology which which I absolutely loved was really passionate about I'm very passionate about the environment uh, and a big part of that was driven by my, my course at university um during university I, I've always been a, a really passionate mountain biker it's important to say so probably from the age of about 11, it's been just my life basically I've I've just loved it. it gives me you know massive release, it gives me exercise, it's given me friends, it's given me my wife. um yeah, I mean it means everything to me. Uh, so all throughout I've been riding my bike and then post university, Uh, a couple of my best friends and I decided to go and spend a year living in Canada. Um, So we finished our degrees uh, and packed off to go and live in Whistler uh, in Canada for a year. We got work visas for a year and basically headed over there to have some fun for a year um, and just kind of get a job, whatever that ended up being, uh, and just, just use that to survive and snowboard and ride our mountain bikes for a year. Um, So we went over there and obviously had the time of our lives. Um, But I got a a lucky break actually just before we went to to Whistler. I was working as a labourer on a building site uh, immediately after uni in Bristol. And one of my best friends, Duncan Ferris, who now, he actually works as a trail builder at Bike Park Wales. Um, He got got a job uh, building a mountain bike trail at Comcan, which is quite near us at Bike Park Wales. And it was kind of one of the first official downhill tracks that was built in the UK. Um, But anyway, he managed to get me a job um, helping him and the team that build this downhill track. So I got some experience of professional trail building. And actually, Rowan Sorrell was working on that job as well. So that's where Rowan and I met back in 2004, I think this was. So I only worked there for a few months and then disappeared off to Canada. Worked as a ski rep um, in the winter, which was... horrendous (laughs) it's a really bad job there Um, but in the spring of that year um, I was riding some some dirt jumps in Whistler with a friend of mine Tom Hay who he now actually runs a a trail building company in New Zealand and we bumped into a young lad who was probably only 13 years old maybe um, and got chatting to him and it turned out that he was the son of the guy who manages the bike park in Whistler Um, one thing led to another and basically Tom and I ended up being awarded a contract to completely rebuild all the dirt jumps in Whistler which was an amazing opportunity for us, it integrated us into the scene there really well, we got to know everybody, it was actually the best paid job I'd ever had at that time as well Um, and it was just amazing, I think we spent six or eight weeks completely rebuilding the dirt jumps in Whistler um, in the springtime and it, it was just awesome and then That actually led to both Tom and I getting jobs working for Whistler Mountain Bike Park as part of the trail crew there that summer. Uh, And we both worked there, Um, again, a great job and gave us loads and loads of experience. And and one of the really exciting things we did there was that Whistler uh, often did collaborations with um, professional mountain bike riders and some of the big mountain bike movies to build sort of features to, to put in the mountain bike films. And because Tom and I were kind of the jump building specialists in the team, we basically got seconded to work with the film crews for, for most of the end of the summer, actually. Uh, and we were building just these crazy features, jumps in in and out of dump trucks and across river canyons and all sorts of stuff. Uh, so we had a great time um, doing that. We got to travel a bit. We got down to California to do some filming down there as well. Um, and then that kind of all came to an end in uh, the end of that summer after a year when our visas ended and I came back to the UK. And that was kind of a big moment of having to decide where my life was going to go really at that point. I'd obviously tasted, you know, what it could be like to, to live my passion and I just loved it. You know, I wanted more than anything. I just wanted to work in mountain biking and be doing something that I loved. But at the same time, at the back of my mind, I, kind of, I don't know whether it was – I felt slightly guilty maybe that I'd been to university and I'd, I'd been given all this knowledge. Uh, and because of my degree being zoology, I felt like it could achieve something, you know, to help with the environment crisis. And I think I felt a bit of a duty to, to give it a go uh, and to pursue a career um, in ecology. So when I came back to the UK, I had, I had nothing, you know, I, I went back to living with my parents. I had no money, no prospects. Um, so I just needed to start from scratch. I spent a while contacting mountain bike parks around the world in South America and all over the place to see if they were interested in taking me on and it basically just didn't work out. So I I then thought, okay, well let's start applying for for proper jobs. I ended up working in Starbucks for a couple of weeks and then I received an email from a chap called Dominic Hogg who runs an amazing company called Unomia uh, in Bristol and they are, Um, waste management consultants, so a really inspirational company who have lobbied and worked with local authorities to completely redesign the way that we do recycling in the UK. Basically, I ended up getting taken on by them um, to work as a a junior consultant uh, and worked on some really interesting projects where we were redesigning recycling systems for local authorities. But I worked there, I guess it was about a year, probably, about a year I worked there, and that they were fantastic, a brilliant company. And I felt like what I was doing was very meaningful. But I, just, I, I specifically remember the moment I decided that I needed to make a change. I remember sitting in their office, and I was doing some computer simulation modeling of, of a recycling system. And I just remember sitting there and thinking, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? And I remember thinking at the time, I was probably only about 23 three, 24, maybe. uh, And just thinking, if I stick on this path, you know, this is, this is pretty much what my career is going to be. uh, And do I really feel like that's going to make me happy? And I I guess I just realized the answer was no. And that I was not going to be happy doing that, even though I felt like it was meaningful work, it wasn't going to make me happy. So I did make a very conscious decision to, to take a leap, uh, and pursue doing something that i truly loved so i uh, i remember the email that i sent so i'd made a few contacts when i was living in canada and one of them was with the mountain bike brand kona and um i decided that they'd be a great foot in the door so i sent an email to a guy who i'd met there who has an amazing name he's called dick cox <laughs> and uh I sent Dick an email and I remember in the email it said, I will do anything you want me to. I I told him I would plunge his toilets if that's what he needed, Um, but that I wanted a career in mountain biking uh, and I'd do anything to get it. Um, And I got really lucky and, and Dick got back to me and said, okay, well, we need somebody to come to Canada and to run our demo tour for us. So basically driving all over Canada with a fleet of mountain bikes, um, stopping at, you know, all the best riding destinations and working with bike shops to to get customers on bikes um, you know, just get them stoked and, and try and sell some bikes. So obviously I bit his arm off. Um, I quit my job. I packed everything up and I moved, moved out to Canada again. Um, arrived there it was pretty hilarious I basically was given the keys to a a big truck and a massive trailer I'd never driven with a trailer before I had about 40 bikes in it and then had to drive straight onto a ferry uh, through downtown Vancouver (laughs) uh, to Vancouver Island and start this three-month tour completely on my own Um, each each stop I worked worked out I would um, hook up with a local bike shop and I would live in in the house of the owner um, and just did this three-month magical tour around Canada, uh, and I just got to ride at all of the sort of dream destinations across Canada. Uh, it was an amazing job. It was it was pretty lonely at times because, like you know, I was young and um, yeah, just kind of traveling around and, and meeting people. But it was amazing. And I, I gen- generally only worked at uh, the weekend, so I'd have Monday to Friday to basically ride my bike, and I'd have a a chaperone at every stop to show me the best trails in each location so it was a a pretty good time um that was only a a short contract so I then I actually ended up having to come back to England because I didn't have a, a work visa that permitted me to stay any longer and when I got back I ended up getting a job managing a mountain bike brand and kind of one thing led to another where I I had multiple jobs uh, in mountain biking, generally in kind of marketing and brand management, but with some really good brands and, and had some great fun. But that first job in the UK I had was for a company called Iron Horse, which at the time was kind of like the brand to, to be seen on. Uh, That company ended up going bust because I think the owner of the company had been embezzling funds or something. There was something dodgy going on. Anyway, I lost Well, I didn't actually lose that job. The company asked me to move to Eastbourne um, to go and do do another job for them, which I did for a couple of weeks and just hated it. I was just kind of too far from the trails. Um, It just wasn't right. So again, I ended up quitting my job with nothing to go to. Um, Worth noting at this point that my wife, Anna, who who was my girlfriend back then, um, she obviously was super supportive of all of this, which which made it much easier. And then I ended up coming back to Bristol and working in a bike shop. And that was where the Bike Park Wales story kind of began for me because I was working in this bike shop and although it was, it was fun and it was, it was a decent job, it was not what I felt that I was capable of achieving and it was not my career dream really. So while I was at the bike shop, it was probably a really good thing that happened to me because I was at this bike shop and I just wasn't where I wanted to be as a person so it forced me to reassess where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and to stop and think about what it was that I really did want to do Uh, and I realized that what I really loved doing was the sort of the, the true mountain biking side of mountain biking so not necessarily like selling a bike or selling a product but creating somewhere for people to ride you know building trails and creating this vision so I ended up uh, I was driving home from Avon in, in Wales from a bike ride one day, coming along the M4 corridor back to Bristol. And it was, it was almost an epiphany. I just remember thinking, why hasn't anyone built a proper mountain bike park in the UK? You know, this had been simmering away and, and Rowan and I had kind of discussed this concept over the years to an extent, but not fully formed. And I remember driving home just thinking, I just can't believe nobody's done this. And if I don't do this, someone else is going to do it. So I got home and I, I called Rowan because Rowan and I had worked together on a couple of trail building projects over the years. I knew we shared similar outlook on things and, and he also had very complimentary skills to mine. He, he'd consequently gone and set up a trail building company. So I kind of had the marketing and branding and commercial, experience and Rowan had, had the expertise in, in trails and, and land management and in health and safety as well. So I called Rowan and said, look, I just think we've got this opportunity to build a mountain bike park. And he was a bit cagey when I spoke to him on the phone and, and it, it consequently turned out that he had basically come to the same conclusion at the same time. And he'd written about three pages of a business plan. So we got together, um, in his kitchen shortly after that and decided to to give it a go um and that was kind of the start of quite quite well
1: <laughs> so th- there's there that's a, i mean it's a great story um f- from from start to finish pretty much so wh- one thing that comes to mind actually that uh, i've not really thought about before is that th- this uh, and it's kind of like a general point but but specifically with your story i, I think uh, a lot of some of your opportunities maybe came from the fact that in the, in the first place without any particular plan, you went to the, the Mecca of, of your passion essentially. So you, you just, you went there uh, with your friends to, to live and to work and to, you know, to, uh, and just to work to sort of, you know, survive and fund yourself whilst you're out there. But in doing so, you ended up getting experience that kind of gives you a lot of credibility. um, Yeah which seems like something that's maybe worth people considering if they're if they're really if you're really passionate about something then maybe consider going to the you know to to the headquarters which which yeah. whistler really is isn't it i mean whistler is uh, i've not been there but i've kind of gone on various youtube binges watching, yeah. watching videos with um whistler bike park and it just looks it looks completely mind-blowing um it is it's heaven, it's heaven on earth for a mountain biker it's
0: just incredible um but yeah I think you're completely right like when when I headed out to Whistler that first year it was there was no career plan in mind there was there was no plan other than to go with my best mates and have you know have an amazing year living in the mountains and riding our bikes but you're you're totally right that the the connections that I made during that year did lead me to to where I sit now um And it was just through being in the right place and um, I guess just being open to meeting new people, to experiencing new things, Um, but also to to having the, I guess, the determination, but the sort of the drive to take any opportunity that, that came my way. Because during that time, various things cropped up and, um, I guess I just was in a place in my life where I was lucky enough to be footloose loose and fancy free and if something cropped up, I like the sound of. It. I could just do it. you know I could just go ahead and drop everything i didn 't have kids i didn 't have a wife, um, so I was able to do that but for sure the the relationships that I made, but also as you said, the sort of credibility that came from working in that place and and, and creating those relationships has helped all the way along so
1: if we if we look at the if we focus on the business i mean you, t- you touched on it already like there's the background and you've got like summarized it really well and i think there's a lot there's quite a few lessons in there in terms of you know people reflecting on their own journey whatever that may be but the the, the bit that like i say is so extraordinary um is the the end result now um in yeah. 2020 you've now got this 2000 acre site um 800 or 900 acres of um of trails and and it's an incredible experience I mean that's what that's what the the bike park is it's 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 an experience that's the I guess the the product if you like so but in terms of how you actually got started because I I just the mind kind of boggles a little bit (laughs) as to to how many different organizations and authorities must have been involved because your site is right next to Merthyr Tidville it's on the side of a valley looking out you can see over Merthyr Tidville into the the hills of Wales, the other side. Um, so that's its location. So, how did how did you go about it in terms of funding, in terms of local authorities? What were the what were the first steps?
0: Okay. Well, wow, it's quite a story. <laughs> um, so, I, I basically got up to Rowan and I deciding to do it um, in the story so far. But yeah, getting from there, which was in two thousand and nine, I think to opening our doors to the public in 2013 wow. uh, was quite the right. <laughs> yeah. It must have been, yeah, I guess it was early 2009 when we started. It, it took us basically five years to go from let's do this to uh, customers walking through the door. So the first step was Rowan and I sitting down together and writing a business plan like I guess so many other businesses begin. Um, and what we tried to do was to try and capture our vision was the first thing we tried to do. So we we were trying to decide what do we want Bike Park Wales to be. And I'm really pleased to say that where we are now is is a good way towards what our vision was. It's not there yet, and we've got a lot of stuff to do, but it's definitely a, a lot of the way there. So yeah, first of all, we wrote a business plan. And then the obvious question that came next was where? is this going to be? And we knew South Wales was where we wanted it to be because it's got great geography, it's got good access, and there's a whole host of other reasons why it's a good place to do it. But we thought of, you start, it's as simple as Google Maps. You start on Google Maps and you look at all of the sites that have the right topography, enough elevation, good access, and then you kind of whittle it down and you think, right, well, who owns the land that these sites are on, and it was, Pretty much all of them were owned by what was at the time Forestry Commission Wales. It's now Natural Resources Wales. Um, So the obvious step was to make an approach to them and say, right, we've got this idea uh, and we would need your land to do it. So that's basically what we did. Rowan and I went to ASDA and bought some shirts. and uh, Off we went to the Forestry Commission offices You know, we were in our early twenties still at the time and we pitched our idea to it to a room full of people who at the time appeared very old and wise and very serious. Um, we, we made this pitch and they didn't really make much comment through the pitch and then got to the end of it. And, and lucky for us, they actually loved the idea. Um, again, we've had so much luck over the years, um, the guy who was responsible for managing the whole area of South Wales at the time, a a chap called Di Jones, he was pretty much already of the opinion that they needed something like this on their land. Um, So they they basically had realised that mountain biking had evolved to the point that there was um, a sort of really extreme end of the market that they didn't feel comfortable managing on their land and that they needed a third party expert to do that. So they kind of come to that conclusion already. And then when we pitched this sort of ready to go vision of what it could be, um, I think they they kind of thought, you know, this this matches, this is pretty good. Um, So we did that and then everything slowed down for a long time and not much happened. Rowan and I were busy trying to work out how we would finance it and working on our ideas and I'll come to the financing in, in a minute. Um, but in the meantime, sort of slightly unknown to us, um, Forestry Commission in the background were kind of working up their thoughts on the whole thing, working out which site they wanted it to be on and how it would work. Uh, and ultimately they chose the site where Park Wales is now at Gethin Woodlands near Merthyr. But it was actually one of the top three sites that we had um, picked ourselves anyway. Um, and the reason that it was, in the location it was was partly because um it's a great location for a bike park it's got brilliant access it's a great hill it's got good features um it also fit within their estate and their plans but also there was a large um european development fund available to back development of mountain biking in south wales uh, as a whole it was a huge fund i think it was a five million fund in total and they spent money at most of the south wales Uh, mountain biking sites at Avon, Kymkarn, Bike Park Wales, and a few others. Uh, And £1 million from that grant was available to put towards the Bike Park Wales project. But but because of that, um, they couldn't just hand us a million quid and the site. Um, It's not that easy. Um, So they had to go through a procurement process. So they basically took um, the concept of having a private mountain bike park at Gethin Woodlands, and they had to publicise it and invite um, companies to come and tender for the opportunity to develop the trails and operate the business. So we obviously were we were shitting ourselves. <laughs> we thought, well, we're never going to win this. You know, we're like we're a couple of twenty-five year olds with no experience of having done this before, and the rumours that were coming through the woodwork were that. Um, some of the companies that are involved with the development of Whistler were, were going to be putting a bid in. There was some large Saudi backer that was wanting to put a chairlift on the hill. And we're just thinking we just haven't got the scale, the money um, or the experience to, to win this. But we felt that it was our, you know, it was our vision and we, we desperately wanted to do it. So, of course, we weren't going to give up. We were, we were going to go ahead and, and put a tender in. Um, but we definitely did not feel like it was a surefire thing that we were going to win this. In fact we thought it was a long shot. So we went through this tender process which took it took more than a year. It was really painful um, and it had various rounds of interviews. Uh, you had to pitch your sort of commercial offer to them in terms of what you were willing to pay to use the site. Um, and uh, yeah it was it was really tough and constantly not knowing, whether you were going to make it. And it's, it's worth pointing out, I guess, two things at this point as well, that Rowan and I had realized that the two of us alone couldn't deliver this on our own. And, and really early on while we were doing our business model, uh, my wife, Anna, is a, she's a chartered accountant. So she was working at KPMG at the time, You know, really good, solid job. And I just asked her to do some financial modeling for us for the business plan at the beginning. But that soon morphed into basically her continually doing, doing stuff for us for free financially. Um, but I think when she, she was doing the modeling, she thought, you guys have got a really good business plan here. Um, and she, she basically wanted to, to invest um, in the business. So we're not talking great sums here, but what she managed to scrape together behind the sofa. Um, so she invested in the business at that point uh, and, kind of came and officially became part of the team. And then simultaneously, Rowan's wife, Liz, who was a quantity surveyor, um, also wants to get involved. So we brought Liz into the team and obviously we were going to have a big construction project coming too. So her skills were going to be really useful. Um, so we'd become a team of four, uh, which was, we were, none of us were married at that time. So it was kind of two, two couples, which is not always ideal, <laughs> but that's where we were. Um, so we, we put this team Together to do it, so we had a little bit more, um, a little bit more help to make it happen. But but we all had full time jobs at this point. So uh, Anna was still at KPMG. I at this point was working for a company called Hotlines um, as their marketing manager for a whole host of mountain bike brands. Liz was working for I think it was Vinci, a big construction firm at the time, and Rowan was running his other business, Back on Track, a, a mountain bike trail building company. So we all had really full-on jobs you know we were all working 50 60 hour weeks in our normal jobs uh, and we were doing this completely on the side so I just I remember the house I was living in when we were doing this and I just remember being in this little box office room for hours and hours just being in there in the dark all the time every night just working on Bike Park Wales and and like having to run out of lunchtime and take secret phone calls from from the bank that we were hoping to borrow money from and and just having to do all of this on the side and it was the same for all of us you know we were working our asses off in our real jobs and then trying to win this massive tender at the same time and none of us come from backgrounds where we've you know we've got loads of money we we were not you know in a position where we could just magic money from nowhere and make this happen we were scraping pennies together um so yeah ultimately we did actually end up winning the tender which was amazing news we we heard on um christmas eve of 2012 was when we heard that we had won and we actually found out from one of the other tendering uh companies so i mentioned earlier duncan ferris who who's a trail builder for us now he was actually working for a different company building trails at the time and he was part of one of the other bits that he was on there, I think on their books as their brother. And I think I just got a text message from him saying, oh, I I hear congratulations are in order. And I was like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. I checked my email and in there was this email confirming that we had won the tender. And yeah, I just remember that moment. We were at my in-laws at the time and getting champagne out and it was mixed emotions. It was partly like, oh my God, we've won this. It's actually going to happen. And partly like, oh my God, we've actually got to do this now. <laughs> um, so it was really mixed feelings. And I, I, I'll be honest, I, there was a part of me that thought, God, do I really want to take this on? Do I really want to do this? Um, so, yeah, we won that tender. Um, and then we had to make it a reality. So we had, to, we had to raise the funds. And the way that we did that was um, we approached a, it's a bank, but it's like a government-backed bank. Um, I think it's now called the Development Bank for Wales. It was called Finance Wales then. Uh, And we borrowed an ungodly amount of money from them um, at a very high interest rate. Um, And again, we had an amazing stroke of luck. Uh, uh, A mountain bike centre near where I live in the Forest of Dean, peddle a bike away, had come onto the market for sale at this time as a sort of going concern as a business. And a local chap called Ian Officer, um, he had bought Peddler Bike Away and Peddler Bike Away was a business that I'd grown up with. I grew up around the Forest of Dean uh, and I'd been riding there since I was about nine. So it's a business that's really close to me. Um, and when Ian bought the business, we got to know him. Ian had previously been at um, PGL Holidays. He was their operations director. So they run outdoor activity holidays for children. Uh, and he had basically, um, the company had been sold and, and you know he'd done pretty well out of it um so he bought a pedal bike away we got to know him and ro and i just thought this guy's got some money he's interested in mountain bikes let's just pitch to him and see if he's interested so we did and we went in and met ian presented our concept and he loved it and he just thought yep i'm keen to get involved in that so ian came on board as a shareholder in the business um, so he took an equity stake and uh, he also loaned us some money as well uh, and he joined us and became the chairman of our board. So he was the chairman of the company for the first five years, four or five years. Um, so our, our story of how we financed the business was really different to a lot of businesses. Like it's finding money is is not easy, but I guess it was proof of, of how good our idea was, was that we never got turned down. We only asked two people to borrow money and they both said yes. Um, so we were either really lucky or it was a really good idea. I'm not quite sure which one it is. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we financed it. We, we all put everything we had personally into it. And so, you know, my wife and I only bought a house a couple of years ago because we just literally emptied the pennies we had and put everything into the company. So we, we threw everything on the line um, to make it happen. Um, so by that point, we financed it. We'd won the tender to make it uh, real. Uh, And then we just had to deliver it. Um, So again, we were all working full time at this point. Um, We employed uh, back on track Rowan's company to come in and build the trails. So we we broke ground on the site in, I think, January of 2013. So they came on while it was snowing and ice and just the worst conditions to be building trails in and he had to deliver the biggest trail building project of his whole life in hmm, six months. Um, so him and his team we were on the hill building the trails. Um, Liz and Anna were focusing predominantly on building the visitor center. Uh, so it was all from scratch. There was nothing there. You know, there was just basically some old car parks when we arrived and um, we had to go through tender processes to choose contractors to build stuff. I mean, the number of nightmares we had. The quotes that came back for our first round when we tried to find someone to build the visitor center were three times our budget. Um, The grant money that had been awarded to us had an end date. So it had to be spent by a certain date. And it was really short because the tender process had taken so long it had squeezed the build into a really tiny window. So we were under massive pressure and just Everything was going wrong, you know, like tracks were coming off diggers. They were getting stuck in the mud. We were having tender prices come back at three times what they, they were supposed to be. We couldn't get any more money. So we were, you know, we were bound to the budget that we had. We had very little money. And our, our projections were showing that with the day we opened, we would basically have nothing. Um, it was that tight that, you know, even, even buying stationery had to be really controlled um so the build process for for all of us was really stressful um whilst managing other jobs as well so still i think the first one of us to leave their job was anna so she left kpmg but she only left about maybe three months before we opened to the public Uh, and i think liz left her job like a month before we opened to the public uh i continued to work full-time in another job until three years ago from now um, and Rowan still runs back on track. So, you know, as I said before, we weren't in a position to just like quit our jobs and, and focus on Bike Park Wales fully at all. So it was hard.
1: So Martin, you, did you just say you you worked in another job until yeah. three years ago?
0: Yeah, yeah. there's, there's often a, a view that I see on the internet of people that Bike Park Wales is this crazy magic money tree. Um, But that's unfortunately not quite the reality. Um, And, uh, yeah, I was working in a full-time job until, yeah, three years ago. Um, And I was doing, you know, I'm a director on Bike Park Wales, strategic, commercial. I I was doing all the marketing until four years ago when we hired a marketing manager. I think it was four years ago. Um, So we have literally worked ourselves to the bone for 10 years now. Um, you know, doing doing jobs on the side of, of Bike Park part as well. Um fortunately, now the business has got to to the position where I you know I now do it full time as my only job. Um, but it's taken a long time to do that, and it is one of those things where it it takes passion. You know, you've got to love what you're doing in order to dedicate. We have dedicated our lives to it for ten years. You know, it really has ruled our lives. It's you know, there's been years where we've not been able to go on holiday. You know, we've we've not bought a house. We delayed getting married. Like, you know, absolutely everything has been put on hold for this business. Um, and that is because we are so passionate about it, and um, it's it's our life's work, really. You know, it's what it's. We're really proud of it, um, and uh, it has become this amazing thing. You know. Unfortunately, coronavirus has hit us pretty hard and we, we had to lose nine staff members over the summer because we've been closed for so long. Um, but before that, we were at 60 employees, um, which is a lot of people, especially in in Merthyr, which is an area which um, is pretty deprived and work is not easy to come by. Um, so we're really proud of, of what we've created. Um, but it's definitely taken a huge amount of blood sweat and, and definitely some tears to to get to where we are and you definitely have those moments where you just think why am i doing this like i'm just just killing myself and why am i doing it but then you have those times where you just think wow i get to to be in control of my own destiny you know i get to choose what happens next with the company that's the bit that excites me the most Is just kind of sitting there and thinking right what's the next thing we should be doing what would make this place even better And and having that freedom to do that is amazing. And that's, it's one of the things that drove me to go down. This was that I'd never liked somebody else being in control of my destiny. I never liked that a boss could determine how many hours I worked, where I went, what I did, how much I earned. I just never liked somebody controlling my destiny and and that's no longer the case.
1: Well, yeah. And um, I mean, you mentioned about how challenging the the journey's been, but that's what makes it maybe all the more rewarding and also uh, a, a great story for for people to listen to um and in terms of people thinking that it's or assuming that it's that it's a money tree i mean the yeah, i can kind of see why they would make that assumption because the like i, I said before the it's an experience um yeah. and, it, and it's a really uh, a really good one like like we said before that's comparable to a ski resort which which is a, is a massive compliment i would say because um yeah because a, a ski resort uh, in terms of the level of excitement that you feel when you're when you're there at the at the bottom of the mountain and you've got all of these trails uh, all of these um pieces or, or whatever to to go and have fun in you can get a, a very similar feeling to that um by driving to merthed tidville and who, who you know who would have thought it and um and and the reason that it seemed it feels like a uh Uh, like it it should be making a lot of money is because Is because of the quality of the experience I think Um, maybe people make that
0: assumption yeah that's that's good to hear and I think um, yeah that is kind of the feedback I get is that because it's very professionally run uh, and you know we don't cut corners and we do things properly I think I don't know people seem to have this concept that it's it's sort of got money flushing through its veins Um, but the reality is that if you do do things properly and you know you have a first uh, you know a full-time medic on site and and you follow all of the health and safety protocols etc etc it's super expensive to run as a business and i think a lot of people do sums on the back of a fag packet and say all right well they're selling this many tickets at this price they're making this much money but yeah when you actually add in the costs of running the place um you know it's uh, it's not quite you think. <laughs> If you, were, if you were talking to your, I mean, you, you kind of,
1: you came to this conclusion and made the decision pretty early on. I would say uh, quite enlightened at, at 23 or 24 to, to ask the question, if I do this for my whole career, is it going to make me happy? Um, I, I think a lot of people maybe don't really address that, that question quite so early and that it kind of comes up and maybe comes to a head later on, certainly if you listen to the other uh, episodes that we've done, it's it is a reoccurring theme, but it happens at different junctures in people's lives. um So maybe it's a difficult question for you because because you you did make that decision quite early or have that realization. But what advice would you would you give? You know, your former self or or, or someone who is who is doing something that they're that they're not completely sure about or wondering. You know, what their what direction their career might go in. Uh, what, what do you think they need to consider?
0: I think um probably two things one is be honest with yourself i think it's really easy when you're in a situation where you're where you're comfortable you know you're not necessarily really unhappy you're just you're comfortable and you're just kind of ticking along and things are okay it's really easy when you're in a comfortable situation to not want to rock the boat um take a risk uh and make a change um but if you really want to lead a fulfilled life, you do have to uh, be brave at certain times. So I think one is, it, that would be the first one. And then I think the second one would be to listen to your gut. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in gut instincts. And I think if, um, if your gut is telling you that something is, is the right path to take or the right thing to do, then I would generally go with it because you can analyze things as much as you want and make a SWOT analysis and this, that, and the other. But I do think that if you truly believe you try to try to take your emotion out of the equation and you truly believe that something is the right decision to take or the right path to take, then listen to that because it is your subconscious mind that has been mulling it over for a long time. Um, and it's it's an intelligent part of your brain telling you that that that's the right thing to do. So yeah, I think be honest with yourself and and listen to your gut and and be brave, but only only at the right time. Like you can you can jump at it's important not to just jump at anything that comes your way. You sort of have to be a bit patient and you know good ideas are really hard to come by. And I I I had loads of rubbish ideas before um, thinking about bike Park whales, but it's kind of knowing which one is the right one and and going for it and, and i guess just believing that if you do have a good idea and you absolutely work your ass off and make it happen then it it, it can and and often does become something great great that's a great answer and um you, you touched on
1: how challenging the journey has been and the, the stress levels of those of the people involved um well, well one other observation is as, as a sort of side note is that you you and Rowan appear to have acquired the perfect wives for this project, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, a chartered accountant and a quantity surveyor yeah. when you're, uh, you're digging up yeah, however many yeah. hundred thousands of tons to build a, yeah. So, I mean, that, that, in that respect, you got, you got quite lucky, I guess, but um, in terms of the stress levels of everyone involved, how, uh, how did you manage that? How, how because um, that is a, a very long challenging project that you've, that you've been on. How have you yeah. um, managed uh, those challenges from a stress yeah. perspective?
0: It's been for me personally. It's been probably the hardest aspect of the whole thing. Like, I'm I'm not an expert in dealing with stress. Um, Anna is is my wife is much better than I am at dealing with stress. Um, and it it definitely at times has it's really really got to me. You know, when it's just all you're thinking about is work. Um, and it's it's kind of eating you up and you've got quite a lot of worries on your mind that's really tough uh, and I know we've all we've all struggled with that over the years and there's definitely been times um, where it's it's felt close to breaking all of us I think um, I think Rowan and I both um like to escape onto our bikes um it's a massive release for us for me it's the best way to get um a mental and physical release from what's going on is to ride my bike because I can, I can have flow state on my bike where I'm thinking of nothing other than what I'm doing, which is great for me because otherwise I'll just kind of mull it, mull it over. Um, I think Rowan's pretty, pretty similar. He he likes to escape onto his bike, and Anna is pretty good at compartmentalizing it. Um, she can kind of shut her laptop and close it off and. Um, and kind of move away from it, and not not sort of ruminate on things when she's not working. So I think that's how she deals with it. And I know Liz has, has taken up running and triathlon and, and and other things as well. Liz isn't working in the in the business anymore. Anna and Liz both took a step back uh, three years ago um, to pursue other interests, really, um, and to I think we as a business kind of wanted to keep pushing forwards and we needed to bring some, some new and fresh skill into the board uh, at that point. So we, we made that decision. <coughs> we, uh, Anna tried to step, take a step back, but we needed her too much. So she is in the business again at the moment. Um, and I think that balance of not having all of us in the business probably really helps as well. Cause those those first five years or so, you know, the the four of us plus Ian were the board. And when you come home from work, um, and your wife uh, is also a director of your business and is sharing in the same problems and stresses that that you are, that's really difficult. I mean, we've been really lucky that that we, you know, we haven't struggled as a couple. um, And we've been able to work together really well. I think there's a lot of mutual respect and we respect each other's skills and knowledge, so we've managed to cope with it. But I'm sure a lot of couples probably wouldn't have survived what the four of us uh, have been through so we're lucky that we all had strong relationships to be able to do that but i think we're all much happier now that um we aren't four of us sitting on the board and and constantly talking about nothing other than bite whales mm-hmm. in-
1: interesting that three out of the four of you uh you, you the strategy for for managing stress is is a physical thing yeah it, it yeah. starts, it starts with the body uh, uh, moving the body uh, and to in order to quiet the mind
0: maybe yeah definitely like for me it's it's the best way i've tried mindfulness and various other things as well but i just keep coming back to to riding my bike really um anna rides as well um so it's a good good escape for her and she does yoga too um which i think helps as well but yeah for for all of us i think it's i think to to calm your mind through other methods whether it's meditation or, or or otherwise Takes a lot of dedication and a lot of practice and a lot of focus, but I think if you've been riding bikes for twenty five years and you can kind of switch a button and get that release, it's almost the easy option to go for.
1: Yeah, and it's there's there's something. Um, this is it's one of my sort of favourite uh, subjects in terms of movement, like and 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 doing the kind of things we're talking about. And it could be anything, whether it's going for a walk, uh, doing a gym session, doing press ups and sit ups in your house. It doesn't really matter um mm-hmm. but it's just i think you know getting the blood pumping there's a certain point at which your your uh the blood is pumping sufficiently around your body where mm-hmm. your mind seems to change that that's that's what i think and it, you can't it, you know there isn't like a moment in time but that is what happens where your your body just it, it's almost like uh yeah whether it's a release of endorphins or whatever i'm not sure from a um, biological perspective but I'm sure that there'll be someone that we could get on the podcast who could explain it but it, it does it does work and obviously it's obviously common um pretty common knowledge and I think I would just say from from the perspective of going to bike park Wales like I said I was a first time visitor and I was even a little bit nervous you know it was like it was because uh, I'd never been to a, a bike park before um and that you've got three options haven't you for getting for getting to the top which is which is no mean feat, really. You 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 either pedal your way up, or you have a, an e-bike that you either own or rent. Yeah. Or you uh, get the uplift, uh, which is a which is a bus. You put your bike on the trailer, and you get up to the top. And um, uh, I was pedalling, and okay, it, you know it's it's a long way to the top. It yeah. probably takes about twenty minutes, I'd say, and that's yeah, it, well.
0: fast, yeah,
1: yeah, that's been yeah. pretty hard. Um, yeah possibly too hard because i only managed about four or five (laughs) yeah that's pretty
0: good
1: (laughs) yeah but um so and and, yeah mountain biking that on the way up is, is is a bit of a grind but there's something very satisfying about it and that's almost like your um your like say get your get your blood pumping get the endorphins going and then when you get to the top and you do the downhill section it's less of a workout but then it's then it's like a sort of adrenaline release I would say so like endorphins on the way up and then adrenaline on the way down and that's why you mentioned at the beginning that you've never you never see anyone unhappy when they come off the uh, off the mountain and uh, (laughs) that's kind of why you've got two chemicals that are very difficult to ignore
0: yeah yeah totally it is a it is a good mix and it 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 can lift even the sort of worst in fact just two days ago when we got closed again because of coronavirus like you know I just felt like I'd been kicked in the balls again mm. was having a bad day and Anna was like right you know get out let's go for a ride and we just went for a ride together for an hour and yeah I felt a hundred times better afterwards and it also just gives you perspective on things once you've taken a step away you've sort of lightened your mood a bit and I think you can make better decisions when you've done it and um yeah mountain biking for me is is the best best way to do that and it's good for you as
1: well (laughs) without a doubt and i guess in terms of anyone who's listening who's not be not been there um whether you're whether you're an experienced mountain biker then obviously you definitely want to go and if you're a beginner i would strongly recommend it too because the trails start at in terms of the level of difficulty you could anyone who could ride a bike could do the easiest trail um in in my opinion yeah um, you you know within within reason uh, right through to trails that uh, that, you know that look that just look completely mind-boggling where there's i don't know 30 40 foot jumps
0: yeah
1: um, yeah some pretty big jumps which um so you've there's just something there for everyone and um yeah i would strongly recommend it so um that's that's great martin thanks a lot for your time if people want to keep up with you or keep up with the the bike park what's the best way for them to do that
0: so uh Instagram and Facebook are the best ways to keep up with what's going on with us so if you just look at look at bike park Wales on either Facebook or instagram um we're we're always putting content out there about what we're up to cool great well good luck
1: with the coming uh weeks and months uh I'm sure uh, you know I'm sure that the business will will succeed I have very little doubt about that and I appreciate it. it's a difficult time for you, for you and your business just as it is for so many but um but good luck with it. Thanks very much, Mark. Thank you.